Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 483 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And we are coming to you today with our short topics episode. We had a deep dive last time. It's our short topics this time. And the next time around, of course, will be the weekender. So let's go ahead and get right into it. We've got some short topics to cover and then a social media roundup, an announcement towards the end, and we'll go ahead and wrap it up. So we introduce ourselves first, generally, unless I forget, but I did not forget this time. So we'll go ahead and do it. Cheryl is not available this time around. So we will have to carry on without her significant contribution to our show. She's W5MOO and I'm Russ K5TUX. And I'm Bill NE4RD. And since Bill decided he had to, to shove some more Boy Scouts down our throats this time around, we'll let him kick off the first topic. Why not? And of course, this is Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet 2022. That's right. Jamboree on the Air and Jamboree on the Internet is the world's largest digital scout event taking place on the Internet and over the airwaves. It's held every year in October. The event con- uh, connects millions of young people around the world for a full weekend of online activities that promote friendship and global citizenship. In 2022, Jodo Jody takes place from the 14th to the 16th of October uh, for the Jodo side of the event, which is, you know, the side that us amateurs really care about. <laughs> uh, scouts and guides all over the world connect with each other by means of amateur radio. Shortwave and digital uh, radio signals carry their voices to virtually any corner of the world. And that's right. You can use single sideband. You can use any kind of digital mode, D-Star, DMR, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can use them all. And let's see, it's the sheer excitement of having a live conversation with a fellow scout or guide at some other place in the world that attracts so many young people to this event. Uh, Event planning information or resources can be found on the K2BSA website at k2bsa.net. Register your station today at uh, jota, that's J-O-T-A-J-O-T-I dot info, jodajodi.info, and check out the latest campsite, the virtual campsite, uh, where you can find uh, lots of activities for this uh, this travel-free uh, jamboree, as we like to call it. And, uh, yeah, there'll be plenty of activity uh, up in the general spectrum of uh, the HF bands and probably, uh, you know, a ton on Echolink over there on Star, Jota 3-365 Star. And uh, what do we got? Uh, there's a, a D-Star reflector, reflector 033 Alpha. And plenty of other places that you can find activity, you know, even getting them on handhelds in simplex or on your repeater talking is is great. Um, But get them on voice. Let them talk on the radio. 
So that's coming up here just uh, just shortly here. And uh, God, we're, we're recording this a week before the event, so <laughs> it's coming up really, really soon. All right. Are you going to have your bridge up, your uh, Echolink thing? Um, what do you mean? I, I mean, the, the Echolink is up, but I don't have mine up. Yeah, well, didn't you have a Joda-based or something? Yeah, I had conference? a Star Jambo Star for a while. And there just wasn't a lot of activity on it and not enough to really justify continuing it. Um, I, I mean, I could just put it on the server that I have this thing on, but, uh, it actually just, it stops running after a while. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if it's due to inactivity or whatnot, but I'd, I'd occasionally come off and then, uh, it hadn't restarted itself, even though it was clearly not running. And I clearly had it set up to restart itself when it stopped. And I don't know. I just, I kind of gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay fair enough um but uh yeah the joda 365 is is quite popular and uh you'll see a lot of traffic on there all right pretty cool so get on the air talk to some scouts they'd love to hear from you and uh, i'll let you just go ahead and roll into the next one since i did the the one after sure yeah this is uh the club grant application period open till november 4th and this club grant, of course, is the ARRL's Foundation Club Grant Program, opened a second grant proposal period, which uh, began September 7th, uh, 2022, and runs until November 4th, 2022 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio clubs can apply now, and information about the program can be found on the ARRL website at the, the club grant program. Uh, following the first proposal period that ran earlier this year, 128 clubs Apply for grants with a variety of outstanding projects. Emphasis is placed on projects that have a component of community involvement, training, new ham development, and club revitalization. 24 clubs were chosen and nearly $270,000 was awarded. They recommend if you've uh, previously applied and were not, uh, were not approved to go ahead and reapply. So uh, get those applications out there to the ARRL. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like something I need to do, actually, because I could do uh, with a little bit of funding for the repeater project here for the uh, AF0SS, because finding a set of cans has become problematic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm almost wishing I had taken up the offer at the at Hamvention, because I think you said the cans they were doing there were new, were like $1,200 or something. And from what I'm seeing... That probably would have been a good price. <laughs> yeah, for for the pain and suffering value of trying to find a set of used cans, right? Yeah, because all of the used ones I've been able to find don't do a six kilo, you know, a six hundred kilohertz split. They only do five megahertz. So, so they're for like Mars and commercial application and stuff like that. So, no one seems to have the amateur radio style cans available. But it's kind of a problem. So uh, yeah, I don't need a whole lot of money. I think if I submitted a grant proposal for, you know, for like five grand or something, maybe it would be like a an Insta approve. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll just meet one of those targeted areas. That's what they're really what they're looking for. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look into that. I've got till November 4th. So, yeah, should be able to pull that off. All right, very good. So let's move on to the next topic here. Archive.org, looking to create digital archive of amateur radio content. This is kind of cool. In a blog post by K Sabitz, K6KJN, which I thought was kind of a neat call sign, because if you flip that six over, you have Hutch's call sign. 
<laughs> He's a K9 KJN, so interesting. Yeah. I was about to say, it did sound familiar. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, they're putting out a call for amateur radio content to be dubbed the Digital Library of Amateur Radio Communication. Oh, Amateur Radio and Communications, the, Del- the DLARC or DLARC. DLARC. DLARC which will be a massive online library of materials and collections related to amateur radio and early digital communications. The DLARC is funded by a significant grant from, guess who? (laughs) The ARDCA, the ARDC, a private foundation to create a digital library that documents, preserves, and provides open access to the history of this community. The library will be a free online resource that combines archived digitized print materials, born digital content, websites, oral histories, personal collections, and other related records and publications. The goals of the DELARC are to document the history of amateur radio and to provide freely available educational resources for researchers, students, and the general public. The DELARC project is looking for partners and contributors with troves of ham radio, amateur radio, and early digital communications-related books, magazines, documents, catalogs, manuals, videos, software, personal archives, and other historical record collections, no matter how big or small. In addition to physical materials to digitize, we're looking for podcasts, ding, 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 (laughs) (laughs) newsletters, video channels, and other digital content that can enrich the DeLarc collections. Internet Archive will be working directly with groups, publishers, clubs, individuals, and others to ensure the archiving and perpetual access of contributed collections, their physical preservation, their digitization, and their online availability and promotion for use in research, education, and historical documentation. Well, it seems sort of repetitive at this point. All collections in this digital library will be universally accessible to any user, and there will be a customized access and discovery portal with special features for research and educational uses. Anyone with content to contribute? is asked to contact the author. This came from the Internet Archive blogs directly. So, sounds good. I think we have uh, some some stuff to contribute. Yeah, absolutely. And Kay did uh, contact me via email and uh, sent this uh, sent this to me and also asked uh, asked about that that material that we happen to have. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be speaking to Kay shortly, uh, probably here in the next uh, month or so and uh, and seeing how we want to handle this, and maybe we'll even have Kay on the on the program, and we'll talk about it some more in some detail. All right. Very cool. So those are our amateur radio topics for this time around. Let's slide into open source, and let's talk about forking. <laughs> yeah. Fork you! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this... Uh, uh, I, I didn't know there was some uh, kerfuffle in the SQLite community, um, but I ran across this... Uh, called libsql uh is an open source open contribution fork of sqlite and aim to evolve it to suit many more use cases than sqlite was ever originally designed for and i was trying to like you know read through all the smoke and mirrors and didn't want to really get into like delving the internet for the reasons why but uh i was looking at their plan here uh for the product uh, project the libsql project and and you can kind of see where the problem is uh, let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll skip through the, the novelty gook. Yeah, they're going to start with a fork of uh, SQLite, going to maintain the uh, MIT and uh, open uh, community contributions uh, framework and over licensing. Uh, they're going to preserve compatibility on everything they do. They're going to add Rust because why not? Rust is uh, the new the new niceness of everything Linux, apparently. So Rust is going to be everywhere, although like it could get crusty, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, the, the, here's the here's the interesting points that kind of 
enlighten me a little bit about what's going on. So they're going to rejoin core. This is one of their, uh, you know, uh, plans. Rejoin core, rejoin core SQLite if its policies change. Uh, we are strong believers in open source that is also open to community contributions. If and when SQLite changes its policy to accept contributions, we will gladly merge our work back into the core product and continue in that space. And the adhere to code of conduct. We take our code of conduct seriously, and unlike SQLite, we do not substitute it with an unclear alternative. Uh, we strive to foster a community that values diversity, equity, and inclusion. We encourage others to speak up if they feel uncomfortable. And this is from uh, their GitHub page, and uh, you can you can find that link to the, in the show notes. And uh, you know, maybe if you know a little bit more about this. Uh, Send us some links in uh, in comments, and we'll, we'll <laughs> maybe we'll dig into it deeper. All right, I don't know anything about this. This is the first I've heard of it. So, and we use SQLite a lot. So, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> yeah, I mean I was, decent backend for everything. Yeah, I wonder how difficult it'll be to migrate over to like to LibSQL in the case of a, a system that's already got it, like in the package repos and stuff. I wonder if there'll be an easy way to do it, kind of like the MariaDB MySQL thing. Yeah, uh, it probably will be easy, I would assume. Um, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know enough <laughs> <laughs> to answer, answer that. I mean, I'm assuming it's compatible, but you, I'm assuming you have to also import something different to make it work. Unless it yeah. provides some shim that pretends it's SQLite in, you know, in memory or whatever, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the same thing that MariaDB does, does. Yeah. Yeah. The packages for the clients kind of fake, fake it till you make it type thing. Right. Oh, we'll see how that goes. And if well, I'm sure we'll get a follow up on this because I know I'll be probably trying to convert over to the LibSQL thing based on this since we use MariaDB for the same issue that they had with MySQL. So, uh, anyway, moving on. Monetization is no longer a dirty word in open source. For open source projects to thrive and reach their full potential, the creators behind them have to be rewarded for their efforts. There's only, what, they don't do it just for the love of coding? I mean, <laughs> there's only so far developers can take their pet uh, side projects, even with the collaborative nature of open source. And as personal priorities shift, so does the amount of time people can give over to their projects. That's quite true. We've seen this in quite a few projects. There are different options to making open source work commercially, but some examples are add-on services by offering level of support or other paid-for add-ons. Businesses can benefit from open source, but also get paid for their specialist expertise on a particular product. Businesses can make their projects open so that others can build on them while monetizing their knowledge and expertise. Paid versions. Access to private repositories through a subscription means that customers have a try-before-you-buy option with this benefit of being open source, but with a tier that can be monetized. This does mean maintaining different versions of the same code. Uh, we've dealt with that a little bit at work with the ISC. So it is definitely an option. Software as a service, SaaS. By hosting the software on behalf of businesses that request it means gaining customers that want to avoid security and maintenance costs. Those companies that are happy to host and maintain the software themselves have free access. Yeah, software as a service is a big thing these days with the cloud. So cloudy. So cloudy, I know. It's very hard to see. <laughs> there are different models, and they can be combined, but businesses are able to embrace upon open source with the collaboration and community that goes with it without rejecting commercial viability. 
That story came from the Dev Pro Journal. So <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a fluff piece. I was like, uh, it didn't really have a lot of meat and potatoes. And these options, I think we've talked about in the past. But uh, I just thought I'd throw it in there because I haven't uh, haven't seen anything from Dev Pro Journal. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's like a new source. We'll let it we'll let it slide this time, right. and uh, we'll see uh, we'll see what kind of content I can find from there in the future. Yeah, they talk about they talk about commercializing being sassy. So it's all okay. sassy. It's all sassy. <laughs> all right, so let's go from <clears throat> sassy to sussy. <laughs> nice. Hey, that was a hell of a segue. <laughs> that's a that's a good segue. Yeah, yeah. Sousa. Sousa wheels out Alp. So this is the the adaptable Linux platform. Uh, prototype's internal version number is 0.01. So it is a long way to go yet, but it's ready for you to start experimenting with. And what is this? This is their server version of Sousa. So this has kind of been uh, long awaited, <laughs> but uh, it's finally out there. And uh, Susan has already published some background information, and there's a fifty, a whole fifty-page manual too for those of you that like reading and are rule followers. Um, it's there; you can go download it and look at it. After community feedback, the new OS will require only the x x eighty six sixty four version uh, to support, and not the version three support that was brooted earlier in the year. <laughs> brooted, okay. Uh, the first demonstration version codename Les Droits, uh, Les Droits for you French people or Les Droits <laughs> for, um, the American people. <laughs> Les Droits, uh, after the first peak to surpass 4,000 meters in the Alps. And it's available for download. And the story came to us from uh, the register. So, uh, take a look at that adaptable Linux platform. All right, sounds good. Haven't heard from Sousa in a while, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, every once in a while, yeah, uh, yep. sprinkles up to the top or whatever. But uh, all right, cool. So those are the open source topics we have for tonight. So we'll talk a little bit about Linux in the Ham Shack, and Bill is going to uh, to wax poetic, I guess, about uh, his trials and tribulations with Arch. <laughs> oh yes. So uh, yeah. <clears throat> I uh I had an issue with my archbox that I later found out was just a kernel bug and I was just happened to be in the middle of the release versions <laughs> that uh made my audio devices sort of disappear and uh because I've been kind of wanting an excuse to walk away from arch to to go ahead and try uh, this this hot sexy goodness that we call uh, uh, Pop OS <laughs> that we've been <laughs> talking so highly about. I thought, well, you know, I, I've been a little disingenuous because I, I haven't put it on something I'm using for ham radio all the time, and uh, I took this little gap in the five nine series of the kernels or whatever. What is it? Five nineteen nine or something like that. I don't know. Between dot nine and dot thirteen, that basically some of the audio stuff broke. <clears throat> in your kernel space. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I, I whacked my Garuda Linux installation. I put, uh, Pop OS on here, updated it, uh, did all the fancy, you know, install the pure blend. <sighs> and it, it all worked except for my favorite application, which of course is CQR log. Um, it did not like my directory from my previous installation. So I just imported the ADIF and called it good <laughs> and reconfigured it. 
Um, I did play around with it a little bit. It just was not happy with the files that were in there. And I can't, I can't recall if I was running a really weird version of, of MariaDB on the Archbox, but it's quite possible that it was an ahead version and the current version that's inside of, <clears throat> inside of the repos for Ubuntu did not like, did not like my files at all in the database side. The database was not liking it, no matter how much I tried to fake it. <laughs> So I didn't do any research on any of that stuff. I just went ahead. I, I already back up the ADF export from uh, the CQR log every time it closes down. So I just grabbed the last uh, last one of those, imported it, and then just went through the configuration real quick. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so it's all running. I got CQR log back running. I got WSJTX running. I've worked a bunch of contacts on 10 this morning. Uh, so yeah, everything is working. I've synced back to logbook of the world. Um, okay. So the odd stuff, uh, yeah, the audio stuff. So I did put a QPW graph on here. So I was using that already on, uh, Arch and they had a flat pack for it. So I installed the flat pack on this and it, it seems to run just the same. No problems whatsoever. Um, the mumble I'm using is also from a flat pack. And that gets a little squirrely. Like if I go into the configure settings at all, it just basically wipes out everything I've done in Pipewire and I have to reconnect all the little lines and everything else. <clears throat> so uh, I would say that that side of things is a bit flaky, but um, as long as I don't touch anything <laughs> and I like clicking buttons, uh, it works fine. So, so yeah, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm eating my own dog food here, as they say. I'm, I'm, I'm using it as my, uh, not only my little XPS 13, uh, uh, play box, uh, kind of, uh, uh, portable machine. I'm also using it here on uh, the main chat computer and also the recording computer that I use for the podcast. So it's kind of important that everything actually works the way it's supposed to work. Um, and I haven't noticed any, uh, any oddness yet. Like, I mean, I'm currently still decoding, uh, 15 meters here as we record this and, uh, also have another audio device that I have muted. So I don't hear, uh, um, you know, updates from, uh, from, uh, uh, discord. So yeah, everything seems to be working really well. I'm, I'm pretty happy with the decision to do it. It was quick and relatively painless, uh, except for the CQR log part, <laughs> but, uh, that was that was quite rapidly uh, uh, repaired. It doesn't take very long to configure that back up. So, um, yep, back to using FL rig and everything else. So it looks pretty much just like uh, like I've run it on any system I would configure. So uh, so so far so good. Uh, no nothing else bad to report except for the usual CQR log woes that I did recover from. So what do you got? Well, I've been thinking about doing the Pop OS thing on the Shackbox, but my Shackbox is an iMac, and I'm not sure I'm ready to make that jump yet. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I did put Pop OS on a different machine, and I've been using that regularly, and it seems to work just fine. I have no issues with it whatsoever, but I have no you know, ham radio experience with Pop OS yet. And if I really want to wipe out machine, and I, I just got done fixing a bunch of crap that was broken with it, so I'm not sure I'm ready to change OSs at the moment. But if I do, we'll... Uh, We'll let everybody know how it runs on an iMac. But uh, in the meantime, I've been putzing around with my antenna. I've got a, an Alpha Delta DXCC that's up on the roof. I did a whole bunch of work to get it mounted properly instead of having, like, the coils and stuff laying on the roof and and just uh, weird bends and stuff like that. So I got it all mounted up properly. And as soon as I did that, the SWRs sort of 
flattened out across the band at around four or five to one. And I, I was up on the roof. I had a friend help me yesterday and I uh, had him inspect it. You know, everything looks good. The coils look good. There's no broken wires, everything, you know, it's a good 40 feet in the air. So it should certainly be where it, you know, mounted properly and all that stuff. No contacts with metal on metal or anything like that. I changed coax and, and, and everything, and it's it's still super high SWR, and I cannot figure out why. So I'm just putting out a little call here if anybody has any ideas on what I should be looking at with that thing, um, because my next step is buying another antenna. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just putting out a call for suggestions here if anybody has something they want me to look at. And I and I did a I used my nano VNA to do an entire an analysis entire across the entire uh, spectrum. And um, futzing around with it yesterday and making sure wires weren't crossed and separating things and, and just sort of cleaning up the installation made things slightly better. But, I mean, everything's still like three to four to one, so it's it's just too high. And, you know, the antenna is not terribly expensive, so it, it might be just going that route at this point. But if anybody has any suggestions, please let me know. And uh, otherwise, I'll uh, probably just buy something new. But yeah, I don't know enough about that antenna <clears throat> to really troubleshoot it. I'm assuming you know you have the trap, so you know that's something, <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, you'd have to use like a yeah. I think that that requires using a dip dip meter or whatever to see if that's operating where it should be. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I just don't know. I would think something would be resonant on there, you know, unless that that hanging element below is parasitic. Yeah, I just I don't know the um, it does it does resonate at about one one point two to one, really low in the eighty meter band, so like around three point five seven five something like that. But it, it's it, it the the manual says that it's narrow banded on eighty meters, so I kind of expected that, but that, that's the only place where it's really kind of resonant at all. So I don't know where to go from this. So I'm looking for antenna gurus to give me some help. Well, the DX engineering catalog. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why we were talking about antennas the other day. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I had for this week. So let's go ahead and move on to our announcements and feedback. The only announcement I have is that I know that we've got a bunch of stuff coming up over the next several weekends. And I don't know about you, Bill, but I know you've got things coming up. You've got plays and stuff and whatnot, things to do in the theater and, and maybe other things. But I just know the schedule is probably not going to be static. We're probably going to be considered more fluid over the next few weeks. So just wanted to alert everybody to that. I mean, we'll update, you know, as each episode comes up, but don't expect every episode to be recorded on Sunday at 8 p.m. is all I'm saying. So, <laughs> yeah, especially while I'm in Germany for uh, for the weekend. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, just expect things. I mean, we'll get the stuff done. It's just not going to be uh, something you can count on. <laughs> so that's all we had for that. And then let's go ahead and get the new subscribers and stuff out of the way here. There aren't too many since the last episode. We have some Facebook folks who joined us, Robert Keller, Poke Fitzgerald, Jaime Camacho, William Polhans, and Ken Batenya. On Twitter, we had Bonnie Downey 11. And on Discord, we had Sin, S-Y-N. 
And uh, since this was kind of an impromptu recording time, we didn't have a lot of folks join us in the live chat, but we did have one. We had Steve KJ5T show up. So thanks, Steve, for joining us. And with that, we have come down to the end of the show. We hope everybody enjoyed it. hope you got a little bit of information about it. And if you can answer any questions about my DXCC, please shoot me an email. <laughs> would really appreciate it. In the meantime, hope everybody has a great week and join us on the next episode for our weekender. Otherwise, have a good one, and we'll talk to you all soon. For the On Assignment Cheryl, W5MOO, I'm Russ, K5TUX. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one 909 lhs show that's one 909 visit the online lhs merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise until next time remember to always heed your hedonism <laughs>